What is going on, everybody? It's another episode of America's Hometown Horror, and uh, tonight's very special episode of America's Hometown Horror is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. You can find them at podgo.co, that's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, and be sure to add our podcast, America's Hometown Horror, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Again, that's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, and mention America's Hometown Horror and How You Heard About Podgo section. All right, folks, and if you can hear me and you can see me right now, that means that we are live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube for a very, very special episode tonight that I have been looking forward to for quite a while. And here we go. This is a big one tonight. If you're a listener of our show, you know that we are big into haunted attractions of all kinds, but specifically local New England-based haunts. The most notorious haunted attraction in the history of New England is Spooky World which launched in Berlin, Massachusetts back in 1991, almost 30 years ago, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But this attraction means a lot to me personally because it's one that I visited every year when I was growing up. Uh, I remember the original Haunted Hayride, all of the accompanying attractions that followed it in the years after, like the Phantom Mineshaft, Cirque Macabre, and especially the American Horror Museum, where I have lots of photos in. And uh, I should say right now at the beginning of this podcast that uh, – you know, if you hear barking, it's not because of a lack of professionalism. It's because of our dog that uh, refuses to stay quiet during lots of these live streams. So please forgive uh, Otis, the official dog of America's hometown horror. But uh, back to what I was saying, I think it's safe to say that I personally would not be hosting a horror-themed podcast or be the huge horror fan that I am without the experiences that I had at Spooky World. And I'm happy to say that right now I am joined by people who feel the same way and are doing an awesome thing to kind of bring spooky world back into the light. And I am joined by three guests and they, they are the team behind spooky world, the movie. I am happy to introduce Quinn Monahan, the director of spooky world, the movie, David Bertolino, the original Hello. owner of the park and self-proclaimed entrepreneur. And Tony Landry, who is the producer, the host of Spooky 101, which is the podcast dedicated to Spooky World, the movie, and also the only person that I know that has a cooler piece of vintage Spooky World memorabilia on his wall than I do. So I would like to first and foremost say welcome to all of our guests. I know we are thrilled to have you here with us, guys. How are we all doing tonight? Great. Good. Outstanding. And uh, right out of the gates, I wanted to thank you, Mike. Thank you, Val. Thank you, Andrew for the support that you have given us. Um, it's been incredible. And I know that we share the same love for that haunted barn out in Berlin 30 years ago. And we're all bringing it back this year in the 30th anniversary. I appreciate that. You're so, so welcome. And, and uh, Tony, I know you and I are kind of uh, kindred spirits here. We, 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 back when we first started connecting about potentially collaborating, we both kind of, uh, you know, had a had a similar super fandom for the old spooky world in Berlin. So it's nice to uh, to know that there are a lot of other people out there just like us. It definitely has a special <laughs> place in our heart. I'll tell you that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, uh, I should first I should first say that obviously we are live here on Facebook and YouTube. So if you are watching, uh, you know, feel free to drop some questions in and uh, we'll do our best to answer them. But uh, with that being said, I want to jump right into this here and I'll just I'll put it up to a roundtable. Quinn, Tony, David, I'll start with you guys. Why make a documentary about Spooky World? Quinn, I guess I'll start with you. Well, you know, I think anybody who ever went to Spooky World and knows anything about Spooky World knows the answer to that question. Spooky World was the first. Uh, they launched, arguably launched the entire Halloween haunting industry. Before Spooky World, there were scattered little JCs haunts and haunted houses around the country. Uh, uh, you know, of course, uh, not Berry Farm had not Scary Farm. But when Spooky World happened in the early 90s, David Bertolino took the whole thing to a different level, bringing in elements of celebrities coming in to sign autographs. Uh, yeah, he will be the first to tell you that 1991 was an auspicious year only because it was the first year. It was certainly not the best year. But the, that year started uh, the ball rolling. He, the celebrities came in. You'll learn in our in our documentary that the trail, the haunted the uh, haunted hayride trail, the spooky hayride was um, less than what it could have been and should have been. Uh, you'll you'll hear some very colorful remarks from Tom Savini to that account. But when Tom Savini came on board, a, a true horror uh, icon at this point and at that time was revered in the industry and told David, point blank, your hayride sucks. You've got to bring that level up because you've promised these fans the best. And David realized that, yeah, he hyped the place, but it, it wasn't all it could have been and should have been. And uh, Tom Savini stayed on to, to go on to, to design the Savini Haunted House and tell him, and give him advice about what to do along the trail. And the, the combination between David Bertolino's vision and Tom Savini's artistic and creative support uh, is is what came together to create what Spooky World became. I love it, and, and I, that's all I, I got I, to say on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, David. David, what about you? I know, obviously, you lived this back in the '90s, and you were there back at the park, uh, right from the uh, from from the inception, obviously. But you know what? What particularly drew you to this project? What made you, you know, want to go back and, and talk about this again in documentary form? You know, it started as just a little um, part-time gig because I was a sales manager for a Halloween company, Ruby's Costume Company. And, uh, you know, we became in kind of hiatus mode from August till January. So I thought, let me look into, you know, some Halloween event that I could work on that I'd enjoy. And I explored the opportunity of, of, of a hayride with stage sets. And, uh, you know, motivation was not much out there at the time. But uh, we were inspired by various, you know, little offshoots of what Quinn talked about, of little fundraiser operations. So I traveled the country in the research mode and miraculously found this dairy farm that was being auctioned off by the FDIC 
and uh, I offered to rent it, but you know, they counter offered by saying, you know, very little money down. That's all I needed to hear. And, uh, and I can rent it, I can own it for the price of the rental, you know, mortgage payments. And so, uh, you know, my partner and I, Sean Fogarty, you know, sat down and storyboarded 22 stage sets along the Hayride Trail. Uh, never did we think that it would turn out the way we did. Our intention was this little hayride. And uh, as Tom Savini would said, change the name right now. It's no longer Spooky Hayrides. We're Spooky Land or Spookyville or Spooky World. Bingo. Change the name to World. And that was the second week of October. We literally changed the name uh, because our intention was from that point on to add haunted houses every year to add a spectacular new event. And that's what we did. That's great. And I, I have to say... I was a huge fan of the name change and, and Tony, I've heard you mention this before, but you know, to me as a kid growing up in new England, you know, born in the mid eighties and growing up in the nineties, this actually felt to me like the Disney world of new England. Every single year I would look so, I, I would so look forward to hearing, you know, the advertisements on the radio, seeing the commercials on TV. And I just knew that it was Halloween time when spooky world was back up in the conversation. So I'm I'm a fan. I, you know, it, it gave it that uh, that larger feel. I think with uh, Spooky World, so huge fan of the name change. Tony, what's uh, what's what's this process been like for you, and and why did you uh, why did you want to jump on board, and what's it been like for you since you did? It's um, I think that one of the underlying themes that you're going to see in the film when it comes out is the serendipity that took place. All of these things had to come together exactly the right way in order for Spooky World to succeed. And the same holds true for the process of making this film. Uh, every guy has this box of memories that they hold on to no matter where they move to, when they leave their house growing up, to when they go to college, to when they move into their first home. And sometimes you lose things along the way. And my story here with this film started with a button. I literally lost a button that says, I think I saw Elvis at Spooky World. And <laughs> of course, if you lose something, where do you go nowadays? Not the lost and found. You go to eBay. eBay, yeah. So I went on eBay, found the pin. And, but when I did the search for Spooky World, it populated up this list of items that I, I couldn't believe. And I looked at the seller's name and it just so happened to be Spooky Dave. <laughs> and from there, we started striking up conversation, reliving some memories, and um, that kind of came home with me. And uh, from there, <laughs> well, you're more than welcome to come over here, man. After we all get our shots, we're good to go. Come on over. Doors open for you. I'd love to see the studio. Continue, though. Absolutely. I <laughs> but um, what ended up happening uh, was the film started taking off. Uh, I got a phone call from David a couple of years ago and said, hey, we need to interview you for this. You're uh, our fan. You're a, one of our biggest fans. And I said, absolutely. Come on over to my home. I go, the sign's here. You might as well get that on film. So as we started talking and after the interview, Quinn and David said, um, we're leaving back for L.A. on Monday. Most of this operation is taking place in Boston. You seem to know what you're doing. You have, you know, you're toe dipped in the shallow end of the pool of filmmaking. Um, 
David did the same thing when it came to the people who worked at Spooky World back in the day. He identified passionate people, he empowered them, and it took off from there. And that's why Spooky World succeeded. And I think that that's why this film is going to do exactly the same. He uh, put his trust in me. Quinn put their trust in me. And um, I think that we're doing an okay job so far. And I think that we have a lot more amazing things ahead of us. I would say more than okay. I, I, I mean, I, I know I personally can't wait to see what you guys have in store. And, you know, you've done a great job kind of teasing everything with the Spooky 101 podcast. It's been very entertaining. And uh, as I mentioned before, you know, before we started recording, I, I for one, cannot wait to see what you guys have in store with this movie. So, um, David, I, I guess I have to ask you, what's it been like to see the legacy of all your hard work become enshrined in this upcoming movie? And I mean, did you ever think that the work you did at Spooky World would have the impact that it did, even to this day? I, I have to tell you, I am every day stunned. Um, Quinn Monaghan has done 74 interviews. And uh, some of them I bear witness in person person, some on Zoom, some I have not seen uh, or didn't see, but I've seen since then. And I'm blown away at the impact uh, that these folks had, uh, you know, either working at the park or celebrityhood signing at the park. Uh, and they speak with such passion. I get goosebumps and get teary-eyed when I hear the stories of, you know, this was the best job I've ever had in my life. This is the best period time period of my life. This was one big happy family, not like the Mansons, of course, but uh, they really enjoyed their experience in this movie. And so uh, I'm just blown away at the commentary that I've heard in the last uh, year, year and a half, actually, it's going on now. But we've got just some phenomenal interviews. And some of the celebrities are kind of tearing up, talking about how what's their favorite place they've worked in various movies, they work for Universal Studios and, yep. and and other places such as that, and they speak so kindly and su- sweetly of their their life at Spooky World. It's phenomenal. Yeah, that's great to hear. I I have to say just to to, to comment on what you said before. So uh, Tony and I had talked about this at one point, but kind of like my local haunt growing up, the one closest to me that I, uh, I love just a notch below Spooky World was uh, Barrett's Haunted Mansion in Abington, Mass. And I had the oh, privilege sure. of working there uh, one Halloween, uh, one October, a couple of years back. Yeah. And it was so much fun. But I have to say, you got to be a little bit crazy if you want to voluntarily show up and scare people uh, for multiple nights in October. It definitely uh, creates a bond between people. Yeah. So I can see why people still hold that, uh, you know, so close in their memories for sure. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I think we had. So, uh, um, I, I guess. Oh, there was. I don't know if you recall Prozac the Clown at Barrett's. Uh, I think his name is Rob. He I was, do remember that actually. He was one of our top <laughs> actors. You know, a lot of uh, folks headhunted actors at our place. Uh, you know, some for Broadway, some for movies. Uh, others went on for special effects. Uh, you know, with. Uh, TV shows and film projects. And, it, you know, we launched just a lot of ships. It's just wonderful to hear about it, It's, you know, you get somebody in the interview seat and they say, my career started at Spooky World when I was 17 years old. And it's like, what? You got to be kidding me. And now they're big stars. <laughs> Phenomenal. Big tease on that one. If you folks like Marvel films, <laughs> 
a guy okay. who does that. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe may in our documentary. Wow. Wow. That's all I can say about oh, that he'll one. He'll be in our documentary. Safe oh, to I, say that yeah. uh, he is inevitable. <laughs> Just like Spooky World the movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so I, I know you guys are just kind of talking about all of the interviews that you've done, and you kind of already made this comment. But um, I knew you said there were a lot of emotional reactions to people that uh, you know had a connection to this in the past, whether they worked there or fans. But I mean, has there been anything else, Tony and and uh, and and Quinn, that has really surprised you about this in, these interviews? I mean, uh, you know, a- anything that you that you've experienced that you weren't necessarily expecting when you were interviewing these people? Quinn, take that. Well, I'll let I'll let Tony take this. Well, um, a couple of years Tony? ago, when they handed off the reins to me uh, for the the East Coast side of things, they left town just before the Great Rock and Shock Convention was taking place, and uh, a couple of people who were appearing had a very close connection to Spooky World. Um, you're going to see Kane Hodder in it. Kane, I. I for those who have met Kane, he's a ribber. He likes to have fun with you. He has that Jason, like, I'm Jason, tough guy attitude. But when it came <laughs> to speaking about Spooky World, we actually saw Kane open up. He loved his time there. He spoke about it so glowingly. I was I was shocked. It was it was so great to be able to sit down with him and actually the the person who filmed it uh is another local filmmaker uh he had camera duty that day survival of the film freaks if you folks have seen that bill fulkerson helped me out with that one yep. um a great documentary if you go that's a sidetrack if you folks get a chance but kane kane was outstanding and adam green adam green uh also sat down with us for that another local kid done well and uh adam and kane ended up from starting off at Spooky World, meeting each other as kids, to all of a sudden making the Hatchet movies together. So you're going to see wow. how all of this came together. And it was so cool to be able to put everybody back into the 90s. And I think that's another thing that this film's going to capture, is we're so connected right now. I mean, look at what we're doing. We are able to sit in our homes and have this interview. Back in the 90s, part of the ambiance of Spooky World was how far it was away from the major cities, how isolated you felt, how that fourth wall was broken when you were on that hayride, when they would come up to you and come out to you. So we're going to get into the whole 90s experience with this as well. And Quinn really has his ear tuned to that. That's awesome. If to I, hear. If I, I could just jump in to, to yeah. expand on that. One of the, uh, the strongest impact of a commentary that really uh, made us move forward on this documentary was uh, I was sitting home watching Seth Meyers uh, a couple of years ago, Halloween, Halloween night. And uh, they usually have a celebrity come up for a segment and, and chat, and then they move on to the next celebrity. So in studio was uh, John Krasinski. And um, Seth Meyers said, well, fellow New Englander, do you have any memories of Halloween in New England? And his response was, actually, my best memories as a child was every October going to a place called Spooky World. And he turned to Seth because Seth's from New Hampshire. And he says, 
do you remember yep. Spooky World? And Seth said, you know, we were talking about that pre-interview in the dressing room, and some of my staff remembers it. I don't remember it. Tell me more about it. Well, I got to tell you, he told so much glowingly about how much he enjoyed the place, came year after year, and he was a kid then. And, uh, you know, it's just so incredible. And, and they came back after break and gave another segment about Spooky World. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And that kind of, you know, pushed me forward. You know, it was Quinn's idea to move forward with this thing. And that kind of, you know, gave me a charge to say, okay, this really did have an impact on people. I, uh, let, let's continue to move forward on this idea. But that was uh, just an amazing endorsement for this fellow to, uh, and he talked about various incidents that happened, which are right. It, in, yep. That's in the actual movie now. Okay, so I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because I actually did have this written down to ask you because I knew that if anyone knew if this actually did happen, it was going to be you, David. And obviously, the story that Krasinski told on that show was that uh, you know he saw some uh, some Boston dad with his son that was clearly more scared than the uh, the kid to go into one of the haunted houses, and he ended up right. punching Dracula in the face. So yes. did, did that actually happen? Uh, it did actually happen, and I paid for the missing tooth. <laughs> the fellow's name was Barry, and he was not a young kid. He was an older man. He played Dracula in the Savini house, and he actually got cold-cocked by a dad. And wow. So he alerted a policeman. <laughs> they stopped. There was no arrest made. You know, we called it an accident. Everyone was okay with it being an accident, and uh, poor Barry yeah. lost the tooth over it. And so uh, our, our workman's <laughs> cop had a nice jump that year. Uh, and it was, uh, but it, it made for an interesting story live on, on uh, you know, Seth Meyers' Late Show. I, I know that that is, uh, I mean, I, I heard that and I thought that was definitely one of those stories where they kind of added like the Boston element to kind of make it seem a little bit more extreme and throw in the accents. And I was like, I wonder if this actually happened. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it actually did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's if that's I can the, add a, th a little something about that. Sure. If I might add just a little something about that, that was um, that was not an isolated incident. One of the things I've learned during this documentary is that um, many of the cast members in the various haunted houses and on the on the Hayride Trail were um, regularly hit, punched, kicked, assaulted by uh, the uh, attendees at Spooky World because um, they were so good and so frightening that and people just were not didn't know what to expect for most people this was the first time they'd been to anything like it somebody jumps in your face and says boo or 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 comes at you with a running chainsaw you know muscle memory takes over and boom so these guys learned to get tough real quick and there were many such um shall we say skirmishes um in the in the houses and on the trail and you'll learn about that in the documentary I can't wait to hear more of those stories, and I, I'm sure there are probably uh, many more than than that. Just one, than just that one, excuse me. But um, I guess while we're on the celebrity component of Spooky World, I did have some questions about this here, and and uh, you know, Tony, to your point, uh, having met Kane Hodder twice in my life, once being at Spooky World, I have a red uh, hockey mask that was signed by Kane Hodder that I got there when I was probably eight or nine years old. 
And then uh, Kat and I actually had the pleasure of meeting him up in Salem a few years back, and he was super nice. We have a picture with him, and it was a uh, it was it was great to meet him again later in life. Um, so that was really cool. But I, I guess you know. David, you know, when, when Spooky World first opened, you did have a lot of support from some pretty big celebrities. So obviously, we talked about Tom Savini, but you also had appearances from many others like Elvira, Linda Blair, Alice Cooper, and obviously Kane Hodder. You know, how, how big of an impact do you think it had to, to have that type of celebrity backing when the park first opened? How, 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 much of a, how much did that contribute to the success, do you think? Well, you know, the celebrities were one component, but I think it was a very special component because... Uh, you know, there were no attractions that were celebrities except for uh, Not Scary Farm. Um, and yep. so, you know, we were thrilled to have uh, more than the one celebrity. We had three or four each week. And we would, as you remember, we would rotate them. We would have different celebrities each week. And that would encourage people to come back week after week. And, uh, you know, clearly the object was to change and add to the show every year but then the other element was can you make it fresh every week during a one-month period and we managed to do that with the new celebrities and so that worked out well yeah david that's great was there any celebrity that you did meet that just kind of stood out to you um more so than the other ones or was it just kind of you know they were all just you were you starstruck know, every, by all of them all right? of them were you know, the ones that you thought would be very cooperative and helpful and so forth. And most of them were. I'm going to say 90% of our visiting celebrities, we treated like part of the family. I mean, they checked into the hotel suite. Uh, they got, you know, basket of goodies. We sent over wine. We sent over, you know, all kinds of perks. We'd send a limo for them. I mean, we treated them like celebrityhood, like they were going to their Hollywood premiere. And uh, and I tell you, the, the the guests visiting to get their autograph was they're extremely very enthusiastic, more so than the Hollywood fans. The Hollywood fans are so used to seeing, you know, Captain Kirk at Gelson Supermarket uh, that you know it's a, a natural thing to them. But back in Boston or the Boston suburbs. To have three or four celebrities, you know, your favorite horror celebrities in front of you, it's, you know, overwhelming experience. And, uh, and as you said, Alice Cooper, Dee Snyder, uh, and, and even the, uh, the media were celebrities. Willard Scott doing the weather, three different hits. Um, yeah. Uh, there was, I don't know if you remember Rhonda Shear. She did a live show up all night, broadcasted from Spooky World. And of course, the Tonight Show, Jay Leno, with the roving mm -hmm. reporter Bill Maher, uh, on our stage live. We actually watched. Words, we watched so. that clip when we were uh, prepping for this episode. We watched all of those. So it's just insane. Yeah, insane to see all I mean, that. It just it definitely added, but it also, uh, as I've told, you know, Quinn loves when I mention this. It was a Fellini movie. There was lots of stuff going on. There was, you know, haunted attractions, six haunted houses. As you mentioned earlier, the American Horror Museum with original props and displays from the movies. And then, of course, the signature hayride. And, you know, even in the waiting lines, we built stages where performers would, you know, do their act. 
And, uh, you know, granted, some of it wasn't horrorish. You know, we had a barbershop quartet because they would work for scale. And we would have, you know, various contortionists and singers and dancers. And, but we would mm -hmm. just add to the mix. It was one big circus. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember, uh, I have to find them at my parents' house somewhere, but I have Polaroid photos of uh, myself as a, as a kid with the uh, the pumpkin head model that you guys had in the American Horror Museum. And I think well, there was one from The Howling as well, a werewolf, if I remember correctly. I, I think I have both yes. of those photos. But, you know, since we were just talking about celebrities, I, I have to ask what it was like working with uh, fellow son of Boston and also the author, or excuse me, writer of the song that Elvis Presley called the single worst thing he'd ever heard in his life or something like that. Uh, Boris Pick Bobby Boris Pickett himself, <laughs> who I saw at Spooky World several times growing up. You know, Bobby is this, you know, he created, he wrote and sang literally the Halloween national anthem, the Monster Mash. And, uh, you know, we made a little, I don't know if you ever saw that little movie, the VHS. Uh, oh, I have. It's a spooky world. Uh, we sold that in the, in the gift shop. And uh, we added Bobby, you know, singing live at spooky world as in the segment there. And, uh, I remember offering, you know, showing it to Spencer Gifts and uh, iParty, and they loved it so much. We sold 24,000 copies of that with Bobby in it. And so Bobby got a great residual, you know, you know, being in our VHS tape of a visit to Sp I never thought this tape would sell outside of Spooky World. I think I was going to order five or 600 pieces. And then I pre-showed it, you know, previewed to, to those two chains. And we literally distributed 24,000 copies uh, throughout the country. And Bobby was, you know, a part of that. He was very helpful. Uh, he did three shows a night. But, you know, basically he was on the stage for probably five or ten minutes because he himself had, would admit, now, folks, I'm going to do a medley of my one hit. <laughs> and, you know. Yep. But he, you know, he didn't make no bones about it. He was, uh, you know, now on on the flip side of that, Tiny Tim would go on for a ten minute gig, and he would stay on for thirty or forty minutes. And <laughs> many times, you know, he he scheduled for three shows a night, and he would do five or six shows. He'd do once an hour from six o'clock at night. Yep. And so he was he was a real troubadour, as we say. That's awesome. And I, 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 I have definitely seen uh, a YouTube rip of that VHS video several times, I can say. And uh, my one regret is not owning a copy myself because I, I do miss that. So that's actually a perfect segue into a question that I had for you guys. Uh, you know, Quinn, Tony, David, um, I know obviously we're going to see in the movie, we're going to see a lot of, you know, interviews, a lot of footage with people that actually worked there and had gone there. Can viewers of this movie expect to see more, you know, on Hayride footage, more footage that are in the haunted attractions? If you can share, I would love to hear more about that. Quinn. Oh, I can talk about that a little bit. Um, that was honestly one of my biggest concerns going into this project. Do we have the footage to cover the story? Because it's great to hear all these stories, but you you can't do have a documentary with talking heads telling you how great it was without seeing how great it was. And so um, we spent the better part of two years uh, digging out some of these clips. We just recently acquired some 
terrific uh, digital video footage, original digital video, which digital video was just emerging as a technology in the mid 90s. And some people had the good sense to start shooting some of the spooky world attractions with digital video. And while it's not high def like we have today, it's damn good. What I started off working with was a lot of second and third and fourth generation VHS tape that had seen better days in the 90s. These are, these are most of these tapes are 30 years old. And uh, I'm sure we have a lot of VHS fans out there who know what happens to tapes, VHS tapes after 30 years. So that was our biggest challenge. Um, but uh, yes. The, the short answer to your question is you will you will see and get a sense of uh, many, if not all, of the major attractions in Spooky World. Uh, with one caveat that uh, we may never be able to fully experience what it was like to go through the Tom Savini house or be on the, the original hayride in Berlin. But uh, that's my job is to get as close to what it felt like to be there uh, for the audience as possible. Um, and what you may not know, uh, you probably do know this, but what, what people may not know in general is that there are fans of Spooky World who were born after Spooky World closed, who have learned about Spooky World on the internet and through the folklore of Spooky World and are the second generation of fans. Maybe their parents went there, or maybe they just discovered about it, but it has it has taken on a life of its own. There is a mythology that surrounds Spooky World, and uh, we're going to talk about all of that in the film. That's great to hear, and I, I uh, that's just that's just awesome. I, I can't wait because I, I was wondering that because you know with some of the more popular haunted attractions in the country at this point, so like let's say you know. Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando or or Hollywood decides they want to do a haunted house based on Halloween or you know Alien or whatever movie they choose. Generally, uh, the night after it opens, there's some you know POV video of somebody walking through the haunt. You can see it, you can experience it, but the footage of Spooky World that's on YouTube or wherever is rare. So I'm actually I'm I'm, I'm super excited to to hear that. That's great. It really and, comes across it like a found footage type thing. You know, and, and I think that there's something special about that because it's so hard to find that it makes it even more special. So, yeah. I, and I know, and, you know, pulling the curtain back a little bit, I, um, I've had the privy of seeing some of the things that Quinn has put together and you folks are going to be in for a treat. This man, uh, if you don't know any of Quinn's background, let me tell you about it right now because he's not going to say it, but I will. Quinn is a producer for the Academy Awards in SAG. Okay. He's got some cred that you wouldn't believe. He worked, he was in the movie Carrie. He was a set designer for a Nightmare on Elm Street part two. So if we're looking for the right guy to do this, we've got him. And that's the amazing part about this film. Uh, they understand the history and the importance of things. And I think that one of the things we also understand is it's situational awareness. The 90s, we did not have iPhones or the digital technology that we have now yep. where everybody can just whip it out. And there you go. I'm videotaping absolutely everything. You know, I think that the fact that we are making so much out of the, the little old school footage we have, it's going to be special. And Quinn is taking it and putting a modern twist on it that you're going to love. 
That's you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, in in this venue. <laughs> I'd be remiss in this venue if I didn't. Um, even though we 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 have come upon some great footage, I know that there's got to be some viewers right now who have a videotape of Spooky World in a drawer somewhere in their home. We want that footage. Um, if you have something that you think belongs in this film, whether it's footage or still photos, please contact us through this show, uh, through this website. It'll, the information will get to us and you'll be a part of uh, Spooky World lore forever. Anybody who contributes footage to us will, will have their name in the credits and they'll be uh, they'll be forever in our gratitude. So uh, uh, there you have it. There's my appeal for wow. For you hear that, folks? That might be out there. You you too yeah, can right? be part of Spooky World movie. That's awesome. If you have footage out there, you can absolutely uh, you can send it in, and you can have your name in the credits. So I would say, if you're sitting on that footage, what are you waiting for? Send it over. Send it over. Yeah, for sure. we need it. We want it. Excellent. We need it. Share it. Share it with the world. Awesome. So Tony. From a fan to a fan, my I know you and I have connected over Spooky World fandom leading up to this. And, you know, what's it been like to work on something that's had such a huge impact on you growing up? It has brought me back to uh, a lot of great memories and uh, family. I think that we're going to touch on the note of family in this film. Because the family that worked behind the scenes to make this come to fruition... Spooky World's vision was based off of family, the Bertolino family. Um, you're going to find out that David Bertolino didn't start at Spooky World. David started with his dad and his brother at Little Jack Horner's Joke Shop in downtown Boston back in the day, which then turned into the place where everyone in the region got their Halloween costumes at Boston Costume. David Bertolino is Boston Costume, and that turned into Spooky World. So you're going to be learning the history of this man and how this all came to fruition. But the family aspect in regards to me, um, I wasn't old enough to drive when I first heard that jingle on the school bus. You know, I had to rely on my uncle. He was like my father figure. So my uncle's no longer with me, but I feel like working on this film, I feel connected again with him. And it's my way of saying, hey, thanks for bringing this into my life and having this film to come to fruition. And the amazing part is these two guys on both sides of me on your screen have become family to me. Um, we have lived our lives the past two years, for the most part, with each other bi-coastally. We, they've been there through good and bad, good health, bad health. We've been there through everything. So you're going to see family touched upon probably throughout the whole part of this. You're going to see some interviews take place where – we're talking about some of this, how it emotionally hits people. And um, I'm not the only one who's lost somebody who brought them to Spooky World. You're going to be talking to a few people and seeing a few people tell their stories of their bonds with their family members going there back to Berlin and even Foxborough. That's powerful. That's awesome to hear. I, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I, I can't state enough how much I love what I'm hearing. And it's just get, giving me that much more hype for this movie coming out this fall. So, um, so I have to ask you guys, you know, obviously Tony, I know you and I were talking about this uh, beforehand, but obviously this in, spooky world was very clearly ahead of its time. And I think that a lot of haunted attractions today have, you know, 
pulled bits and pieces from Spooky World. And, you know, I guess just, uh, you know, in a general sense, how much of an impact do you think Spooky World, the original one in Berlin, had on the haunt industry today? And I'll open that up to whoever wants to answer. Well, I'll answer that. I want to answer because I'll say uh, it's immeasurable. The the people that we've talked to, like Sydney Neal, who is a, a a goddess in her own right in the haunting attraction world, flat out says uh, there would the, the industry wouldn't be what anything like what it has become without Spooky World. Um, many people have echoed that sentiment that. Uh, it's hard to calculate how much the success of Spooky World sort of launched the industry. You have to remember that the Wall Street Journal came knocking in the first year because they got wind of how much money, let's let's be honest, Spooky World was making, uh, that thousands of people were pouring into this tiny little farm in, in, a, in central Massachusetts. Uh, and they were taking notice. And so lots of other people saw that Wall Street Journal article and said, hmm, this sounds like something I could do in my state. And uh, from there, uh, the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, that that totally makes sense to me. I, I honestly, I, I think, like, like I mentioned, it was way ahead of its time. And you can clearly see that other haunts, I, I don't think there would be especially in the New England area and throughout the country, as many haunted attractions that have succeeded as much as they have without, you know, without Spooky World doing what it did back in the 90s. If I could mention something here. Yeah. One of the things that we're going over in our interview, Sydney Sydney Neal, we're going to be having on Spooky 101 coming up on most fitting day and most fitting weekend possible, Mother's Day, because she is the mother of the haunt industry. So we're going to have her on for that weekend. But what Sydney and what others have mentioned who are in the haunt industry, there's a certain weekend that took place at a convention back in the early 90s that David took part in that kind of was a game changer for the entire haunt industry. Um, David, could you uh, elaborate just a little bit on that? We want to leave some meat on the bone so everybody tunes in this fall. Yeah, I uh, in my um, sales manager role at Ruby's Costume, I am at the um, – it wasn't even called the Halloween convention at that point. It was still the Trans World uh, Variety Show, Merchandise Show. And there was a little section of two or three aisles of people who sold Halloween goods and – I was there populating with various props and costumes that I had. And, um, you know, many of the haunters, mostly fundraiser types from all over the country, that I was in the Ruby's booth. And they, or they saw the article in the Wall Street Journal or USA Today or whatever. And so they came around to the booth saying, hey, can I have a minute of your time? How did you do this? What, what insurance company did you use? How did you build... And, you know, after a day of this, I said, okay, I'll tell you what, everybody, come to my hotel room at 7 o'clock at the Marriott, and here's the room number, and a handful of us, and we'll talk about, you know, I'll answer all the questions you have, and we can all share ideas. Well, 40 or 50 people showed up in this little hotel room. (laughs) I mean, it looked like a very tight Woodstock uh, bathroom. And... um, 
so uh, that was, I'd like to say, the birthplace of the Haunted House Association in the industry. Uh, you know, we formed a group uh, and they were advisors. And uh, I never wanted to be a board member, uh, but I was always willing to open my door for advice. And that was, as many had called it, the first day that we launched an organized Haunted House Association industry. And, uh, you know, it was predicated on my just one year experience, although it was a crazy one year, uh, you know, financially, everybody was watching us. In fact, uh, you know, here's an open question. You folks look like my age, you know, 30 some odd years ago. Uh, I'm in my 30s. I've got a family. I want to do this little hayride. And sometimes you do things with your heart and not with your wallet. <laughs> you don't think about the return on it. And so my heart got in the way and I really had this goal to do this, you know, event. And I sat down with my partner and I said, what's it going to take to break even? And we figured it out on paper. David, if you do 200 people a night for 31 nights on average, we will break even. And, uh, you know, to make a long story short, you can see how that was, we went from two dot to, is it all in the movie, but just briefly, the first night we did 2,000 people and we never did less than 2,000 people. We did over 60,000 people that first year. And, uh, and then our top years, you know, as we moved to Foxborough and I partnered with the New England Patriots craft family, we were doing 10, 10 to 12,000 people a night. And that was just, wow. I couldn't believe it. It's just, I'm blown away by that, you know, just looking at that in my past like that. I had a chance to uh, acquire from David some of the sheets from annual attendance and things of that sort. And it's completely mind blowing just how successful the spooky world was on paper. I mean, we know how it is emotionally. It was a success. Spooky world has influenced everyone. We're proud. It's our hometown uh, haunt. But when you yeah. actually see the numbers on paper is when you know that it was real. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I, I can speak from experience there because I know, I know that a good, uh, a good chunk of my youth was spent uh, standing in line for the hayride uh, in Berlin and also uh, at, at uh, not even Gillette Stadium, at Foxborough Stadium back then. So I can only imagine what those numbers might look like. So actually, that, that, that brings me to a question I had for you guys. So I'm sure you probably have been back to the old stopping grounds out in Berlin for this movie. But uh, how much footage can we expect to see from the, uh, from the old original Spooky World location in Berlin in the upcoming movie? And I know Kat had a oh, follow-up question. Oh. We, had, we had plenty. If I can uh, – we had plenty of uh, – we shot a uh, funny bit uh, the day we – David and I flew out and, and, and got there. We had arranged for uh, a drone camera to shoot a lot of aerial footage flying around, and we were going to get the, the footage on the ground. And we set up this shot, and we had this, the, the members of the old crew walking toward the drone, and the, and the shot was the drone was pulling away from them as they, you know, as they... And the and the drone flew right into the side of the barn and exploded into bits. <laughs> uh, 
and we'll, we'll we'll have a little bit of that in the film. But uh, subsequently, we went and had somebody else uh, shoot a lot of drone footage. Of course, if you go on YouTube, you know there's no shortage of people just breaking into the place and uh, and filming themselves running around and uh, the abandoned site. And that's a lot of fun. You have genuine fans making a pilgrimage uh, to the site. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll see you'll see plenty of that uh, in, in in glorious high def. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I know you had a question about the uh, the, the location of the one. I did actually, yeah. So, um, you know, you always see these abandoned like amusement parks or abandoned roller coasters, and they're kind of creepy and eerie if you see any YouTube videos. Have you seen or heard of any sort of like ghost stories or creepy stories now that the building is abandoned and just kind of left there? Can I take this one? We actually have a we have a couple of interviews that. Um, did you know that somebody actually lived on the premise there while Spooky World? Oh, no. Was it was it was in Berlin? Well, we no actually idea. we there was a caretaker who lived there, and he has a couple of stories to offer in regards to that back in the nineties, and uh, you'll get a you'll get a kick out of it. I'll say that. I mean, that's not surprising. That's from what the seventeen hundreds that eighteen uh, hundreds that building, the old farmhouse, yeah, the, old, yeah. the old the old Tyler farm. Um, yeah. It's actually a historic landmark. Uh, and uh, we actually just got some footage. Uh, had to wait for the snow to melt a little bit this year, but uh, I went right around the corner. Um, it's actually going to be a part of the story that David and Tom Savini tell uh, about uh, one late night. Tom calls up David and says, wake up. We got to go do something. And I'm going to leave it right there. Okay. Teaser. <laughs> I love I love that tease. I love yeah. that tease. Uh, hey, come on, come on. I got it. it's only April, folks. We're only halfway there, right? Halfway to Halloween. That's why you guys are pros. You know what you're doing. So mm-hmm. Tony, what can we expect from uh from Spooky One O One in the coming months leading up to the uh to the release of the movie? A lot of uh, uh baggy eyes from editing, um <laughs> coffee drinking, uh things of that nature, all a labor of love. Um we're going to have, uh, like I said, we have next, actually this coming Friday, we have uh, Bart and Barb O'Brien, who actually own one of the most successful vineyards in Napa Valley, who were influenced, they're actually, they're billionaires. Spooky World, of course, Spooky World helped influence them back in the day. We're going to have them on. They actually took a trip out from California to visit Spooky World, started their own haunt in Northern California in the 90s. And they're going to talk about how David uh, helped them with that. Uh, like we said, Sydney Neal, I can't wait for that one to come out. That's that's going to be a long-form um, interview. Uh, I, I think that Sydney predates David in the haunt industry. Uh, and But she understands just how much David changed the game. And she is going to elaborate on that. Also upcoming in the near future, we have uh, quite a few other folks from the haunt industry, but we're going to sprinkle in a few familiar faces that may have signed an autograph or two at spooky world as we get closer. And um, I do know somebody over, hold on, let me get it right. That shoulder. Um, (laughs) has a book coming out in September and um, we'd love to hear what she has to say about her book. Well, that's certainly very interesting. We would love to hear that. 
We'll just dangle that carrot out there. Sure, sure. Why not? Hey, so we have a question that just popped in from uh, from YouTube from uh, Keith Fashan, and uh, he is wondering. And since you guys were just out there on the property recently uh, doing some footage, he wonders if there might still be some parts of the uh, the old attractions in the buildings that are out there. Well, I'll I'll say this. Uh, I up until just a few years ago, there were some things. But uh, it seems that in the last couple of years, uh, just about any vestige of the old spooky world that wasn't nailed down tight uh, has uh, has gone bye bye. Uh, you know, just the you know, just the hint of this movie being considered two years ago um, got a lot of people to kind of help themselves to souvenirs at the old property. And then in the last year that we announced that we're doing it full steam ahead, all of a sudden the collectible market for Spooky World memorabilia has gone through the roof. The resale prices are incredible. And so people have bought up all kinds of uh, memorabilia of Spooky World and they're getting top dollar for it now. Um, so it's just now it's a highly desirable collectible. Yeah. Original pieces. I, I can speak to that, uh, David. You might actually audibly gasp if I tell you what uh, what that poster that you made back in the early '90s uh, went for on eBay when I found it a couple of months ago. So I can, oh, I can, wow. I can relate to it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I want to hear what it went for. So <laughs> it was uh, it was let's say it was uh, almost thirty dollars. Wow, mm-hmm. not terrible. I, I gladly. Paid I was expecting it, but, a lot more. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah. Well, well. Let, listen, if uh, if anybody wants to to uh, have a little bit of spooky world, uh, there's still still things available on eBay. David, do you still have anything up on eBay from spooky you world? You know, the, the dealers have bought it up. Um, and you know what? I'm surprised, and I don't get this. Well, maybe you, you fellows have a good you know viewpoint on this. I always considered spooky world a New England thing. And then I walk into stores when I moved here to California. You walk into Dark Delicacies or Blast from the Past, you know, Burbank, West Hollywood. And spooky memorabilia, original stuff. Of course, selling for top dollar, but it's a desirable market even for people who hadn't visited Spooky World. I'm kind of blown away by that. It was such an iconic logo. That it, it when you see that Reaper and you see that font, you immediately go back to the 90s. You immediately remember what it was like there. And I think that that's a test. talking about this Reaper right here? That guy right there. That guy. Right there. That guy. <laughs> Tony, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't yeah. agree more. It is. It, it, it is, in a, it is a, an important symbol to the haunt industry, that logo right there. That font, I mean, come on. It, that thirty years later, people still are like, oh my god, I remember Spooky World. I remember going through the you know the hayride. I remember Tromaville. Speaking of which, our friends over at Troma, Lloyd Kaufman, um, we're going to be heading to Troma Fest or their uh, Troma Dance Film Festival at Mahoning Drive-in uh, in Pennsylvania in June. If you want to see us there from Spooky World, the movie, we'll be there. Supporting our friends. Uh, if you haven't seen the slashing yet from uh, Troma, 
keep an eye out for it. Lloyd's always putting out great content. Uncle, Uncle Lloyd. Lloyd. Uncle Lloyd, yeah. He was great on Spooky 101, by the way. He had me laughing the entire time. It was phenomenal. You laughing? I could barely do the interview. Yeah, that must have been tough. That must have been tough to keep it straight the whole time, I have to say. Credit he, to he, you, my friend. The, 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 you know, it's an easy – he makes it easy. He Lloyd just makes it easy. And he also is very perceptive as to who's interviewing them, if they understand the material or not. And he can either make it easy or difficult. And I like it when he challenges people. But for me, walk in the park. I love that man. He, that's why Uncle Lloydy, that's what he's always known as. That's great. Kat, Andrew, uh, I know I've been asking a lot of questions. Do you guys have anything you want to ask our panel here? I actually had a question um, for Tony, seeing all of your memorabilia in the background. What's your favorite Spooky World piece? I mean, why, why state the obvious? I was going to say, it might be the sign, but... Actually, there's another... I have... So, my original goal um, from taking a lot of things off of David's hands were... Um, what was that whole... What did it, uh, Indiana Jones used to say? It belongs in a museum. Yep. Um, I felt that when David was selling his items, that they should be under one roof and that they should be displayed to show for historic purposes. So I have a lot of items from David, um, state citations, awards from the governor, uh, awards from the haunt industry. Um, I even have, and I, I have the blueprints for uh, Spooky World. Uh, I have also, uh, the one of my favorite things is the renderings for the first sign, which did not have the Reaper. It had a hockey mask. So I actually have the artist renderings of that framed and wow. that if a side of the sign, it would be probably that because it predates that iconic logo. Awesome. Yeah. Andrew, Kat, anything else you want to ask? I don't really have a question. I'm just, so I never really got to go to spooky world as a kid. And um, I went for my first time last year, which, you know, during COVID didn't really get to have the best experience that you could to, really experience it but watching some of the spooky 101 and listening to you guys talk about it and just the passion and the energy it's just palpable between you know listening to just your experiences and everything that went on there that it's it can't help but make me feel regret and just upset that i never got the chance to experience such an amazing time in history for haunted attractions and i missed out on that and so i really that's why i really can't wait to see the documentary because i feel like maybe I'll be able to gain a little bit of, you know, feeling from that, that you guys have that Mike has and just upsetting that I wasn't able to experience that as a kid. So I had a window. Well, we're going to do our best in that. Go Quinn. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, we're going to do our best uh, to do that. I know he will. I, from the clips that I have had the chance to see. I felt like I went back in a DeLorean, hit 88 <laughs> miles an hour, and was back on River Road in Berlin, Mass. I can tell you right now, as a horror fan, from what I've seen and the job that Quinn has done, you are going to feel like you were there. If you had never experienced it, I promise you that you will. And legends never die. <laughs> That's awesome. Andrew, I'm excited for you, my friend. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Better late All than right. never, right? Yeah, better late than never, for sure. So, 
I guess just to kind of to, to put a bow on this, you guys. So when this movie is released in the fall, where can we find it? Rough idea of when it will be released. Is there going to be merch available? Eventual Blu-ray or DVD release? I'll let you guys comment away on that. Well, the, the terms of the deal, let's go, we actually have two active uh, participants of distribution. And uh, one uh, specializes very much in the horror field. And the other is in 192 countries. Uh, so it's a matter of uh, where we're going with its entirety, whether there's going to be merchandise from us or through them. I'm sure there will be. But now we have a third player involved, um, a very accomplished. I, I don't want to give names, uh, or but I mean, don't give names. Negotiation <laughs> with a with a very recognized director locally who um, is um, creating a Sprawl TV series, and so it's a scripted series, and we're. You know, exploring all the opportunities surrounding that, and so uh, of course the the movie will be first, but uh, this could be part of the same package of distribution. Wow! Breaking news! That is yeah, phenomenal. Uh, I got a new 4K camera. I don't know if you can see the goosebumps because I uh, <laughs> I kind of made part of a few of these conversations. And it's going to be worth the wait, folks. I do know that this week, our good buddy Joel Robinson, who you may be familiar with his artwork on many of the Universal re-releases from uh, Scream Factory uh, and from uh, conventions, one of the nicest guys on the planet, he has actually been enlisted to do our teaser and our one sheet and the covers for our, if we have a hard copy. Um I can't wait for him to bring that to you. Um, some of the ideas that we have are going to hit the new notes and the old notes. And I think it's important that we have all of that together. Awesome. All right. Wow. Well, this has just made me even more excited over the last hour than I was prior, which, I mean, I was already through the roof. So this, is, this has just been so enlightening and, and, and so great to talk to you guys about this. But um I, I don't really have any other questions, but I, I, is there anything else that uh, that you three, the uh, creative team behind Spooky World the movie, want to put out there in the ether? Anything else that you want to tease? Any other information you want to give? It's it's coming. It's well, soon to be released. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's actually some very significant celebrity tie-ins and interviews that are uh, in the editing room and, uh, you know, just waiting for releases and so forth. So I, we promise that you will be one of the first to, uh, hear. Patience, Michael, patience. Hey, I'm just providing an avenue for people to get information out here. I'm totally not at all asking for myself or anybody else. No, no, no. Anyone that's listening, you know? David, repeat that last part for us. Uh, I was just saying that uh, Tom Savini is executive producer of the project. Yes, that is phenomenal. That is great. Yeah, and let's all let's all wish Tom well in his uh, recovery from his recent uh, little uh, mishap on his bicycle. But I, 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 I'm told that he's recovering nicely. 
That's great to hear. Yeah, I was actually just I was just thinking that when you guys mentioned it, uh, you know, obviously we, we all wish him nothing but the best and a speedy recovery as well. I'm I'm of sorry. He'll be in our so, film. I'm still zoning out because David's just teasing me over his shoulders with that all of that original Clive Barker artwork. Is that what that is? <laughs> yes, forgive me. I, I have a little I have oh, yeah. dashboard in front of me. That's pretty cool though. I didn't notice that at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Clive um lives nearby and he had a flood in his storage area a couple of years ago and so he called me and asked if he can borrow i, I purchased 11 pieces from him uh, you you mentioned earlier the american horror museum these populated the american horror museum and so i loaned them to clive and he made a a 20 piece edition of each of these and so they're reproductions, but they're original reproductions, I guess they're called. But these are his, his originals that appeared. Um, and so I just put them up. You asked if I had them on eBay. This this collection actually is up on eBay now. Wow, so okay. for the first time, wow. I'm offering the entire collection and selling it off. Tax so not only did, are these original, I just, I just want to remind people, not only are these original Clive Barker artworks, but they hung at the American Horror Museum in Spooky World. So there's that lore behind them as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, you heard, oh, you heard it here first, Melody. <laughs> Good Lord. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, wow. He's got a few of them. And the, the cool part is that America's Horror Museum, that was the closest that we had had to anything like that in our area back in the day. And to know that those hung up in there, that just brings me back. That's crazy. Wow. David, That's awesome. Yeah, that is really David cool. Disappeared. Hey, David. Oh. David, are you uh, yes. are you willing to sell them uh, uh, by the piece, or are you selling it only as a as a, as a, a lot as a collection? I think selling them by the piece would encourage the fans to own them. So yes. Okay. I like that. Well, I yeah, would the say people. any fans with, with any fans who wanna who wanna invest in. And their future should snap them up because they're going to do nothing but go up in value. Oh, I can imagine. And that's all I'll yeah. say about that. Hey, if you're out there, I'd hop on that now, folks, if you're listening. You heard it here first. Let me heard get, it here just first. get my checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big, big Lebowski references. Oh, yeah. You know what well. to do with that? If you're wondering what to do with that stimulus check, get on eBay. That's Timmy to use. There you go. Yeah. Bingo. Well, well, guys, I, I have to say this has been an enlightening hour here. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to hop on our show and, and, and share all the info you did with us. You know, obviously huge fans, and we can't wait to uh, to see what you guys have in store. And, you know, obviously in the future, if, if we can, you know, promote anything for you in any way, obviously let us know. But um, I'll start off, you know, Tony, I know I already follow you guys on all social media, but uh, if some if someone that does not already follow you guys wants to find Spooky World the movie, where can they do that? You can find us on Facebook at Spooky World the movie. You can find us on Instagram at Spooky World the movie. You can find us on Twitter at Spooky World Spooky World the one. 
Uh, and you can also find us. We have a website. Our uh, incredible Jen uh, is putting together our website right now. Should be out any day. So that's going to be the mothership where we launch everything out from. So I will keep you folks appraised of that. And, and tell them about Spooky 101. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> that that little show. Yeah, Spooky 101. Um, we try to put out probably two shows a month. I have still about five more interviews already recorded, ready to go. And uh, next week, uh, this coming Friday, uh, we'll be putting out the one about Bart and Barb O'Brien and uh, their successful uh, vineyard out in California and how Spooky World helped launch them into that. So uh, we have a lot more celebrities to go, a lot more folks who built it together. As a matter of fact, the gentleman who commented, Keith Vachon, Keith Vachon is one of the few people who was actually there the day that the fire marshals decided to exact their will on Spooky World. And I think that folks, I'm going to, to let folks know about this film. It, you know, who's to say that one film can contain this? Oh, mm. oh. Oh, how about that? Just <laughs> put that out there. That's all we're going to say about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot, though. I know. That's exciting. Exciting stuff. Well, hey, uh, again, I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, I cannot wait to see what you guys have in store for us leading up. So thank you all very, very much. Oh, much thank you. Too. Thank you. Thank you for all of your support. I, I cannot speak more highly about your podcast, about your support. And I am so happy to know that we will be working with you going forward. And if you hear any breaking news and it's, and it's from us, this is where it's going to be. Thank I'm so, yes, so much. completely humbled. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. But with that being Thank said, you. I mean, hey, if uh, if you do want more of America's hometown uh, horror on uh, on social media platforms, you can also find us uh, on YouTube and Facebook. Which, if you're watching this episode now, you've already found us. But just go on there, search for America's hometown horror, and click subscribe. You'll get all of our posts. You can also tweet at us at hometown horror. And you can also find us on Instagram at Hometown Horror Pod. And hell, you know what? If you want to send us an email, you can even do that. Hometown Horror Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find this show pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, but you know, most specifically Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, and pretty much everywhere else. My name is Mike. I am the host of America's Hometown Horror. And as always, I'm joined by Andrew and Kat, my co-hosts. And uh Wow, what an episode this has been. That's all I can say. It's just wow. Thanks to Quinn. Thanks to Tony. Yes. Thanks to David. Thanks, guys. Look yes, forward to speaking so with you all soon. Say bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.